Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We're a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. Hello, you people. How's everybody? Good. Let's pray together, shall we? Come. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you that we can be together in your house. That tonight we get to focus our thoughts on you. We get to be in your word. We get to let your word wash over us. We get to be immersed in your word. We get to let it change us. Thank you that your word is living and active sharper than any double-edged sword, and it penetrates even to dividing joints and marrow, soul and spirit, judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. Jesus, speak to us tonight. Be glorified tonight. Holy Spirit, would you descend like a dove, be upon every person in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Please have a seat. If I had to ask you the question, where's your favorite place to go? I'm sure I'd get a million different answers. If I had to say to you, maybe phrase it to you this way, where's your happy place? I'd get a different number of different answers. Everything from the beach, like Pastor Steve, to gym, like Pastor Steve, <laughs> to bowls, like Pastor Steve. If you're a young parent, you might at this stage in your life, if your kids are under three, you might say to me, my favorite place is the toilet because it's the only place I get peace. Can I get some amens? There you go. (laughs) Perhaps it's a particular coffee shop that's your happy place. Perhaps it is the beach. Perhaps it's this place. Perhaps it's church. Um, Perhaps it's a holiday destination, and even now as I'm asking you to think about this, you're getting happy vibes all over, and you're getting warm and fuzzy feelings. Uh, Destinations, they matter. Destinations matter in our lives. You know, there are some beautiful, life-changing, absolutely incredible destinations in our world. There are places in our world, on our earth, that broaden our horizons, that move our souls and transport us to a world that we would never, ever have imagined. I wanna show you some of these incredible places. The first place is a place called Thor's Well. How awesome does that sound? Check this out. Can you see it up there? Thor's Well. In the rough conditions at Thor's Well, also known as the spouting horn, the surf rushes into that gaping hole that you can see, which is like a sinkhole, and it then disappears and then shoots upwards at a tremendous force. It's an incredible place. Like They say you can't go too close for obvious reasons, right? <laughs> Lake Hillier was discovered in 1802 on the largest of the islands in Western Australia's archipelago of islands. The the lake keeps that deep pink color all year round, would you believe it? And some scientists say it's due to the high salinity combined with the presence of some salt-loving algae and pink bacteria that cause that effect. Isn't that amazing? The Tianzi Mountains are found in the northwest of the Hunan province in China. 
These staggering limestone pinnacles are covered in lush greenery, and they're often shrouded in mist and mystery. A cable car goes as far as the Huangshai village, and from there, there are plenty of trails to take in the surrounding breathtaking views of Tianzi. Unsurprisingly, this place was the inspiration for the mountains in the blockbuster movie Avatar. The hand in the desert. This is a man-made sculpture before you think God got really creative. <laughs> I looked, you know, when I was researching, I looked at this, I thought, that is unbelievably like a hand. <laughs> and then I found out, no, actually, the guy made it like a hand. This is a Chilean sculptor who is responsible for this weird work about rising out of the sand in the middle of the desert in Chile, 46 miles south of the nearest city. And this guy is known, this sculptor is known for his work associated with human suffering. And this massive unnerving, I find it unnerving, sculpture captures a feeling of loneliness and desolation. And that's kind of exacerbated by its desolate and secluded location as well. The chocolate hills, I mean, giving away chocolates in a service is nothing compared to the chocolate hills of Bohol Island found in the Philippines. 1,700 of these hills. Have you guys got it, the next one? I'm wondering why you're not talking to me about the chocolate hills. There they are. Hello, chocolate hills. 1,700 of them dot the hillside in the middle of an island, and they do range in height, but they are so regular in shape that they could be mistaken for being man-made. It's almost like somebody went there and made these little hills. However, uh, according to UNESCO, they are, the up, they are the result of the uplift of coral deposits mixed with rainwater erosion. And the hills only earn their name as the chocolate hills in the dry season when the foliage goes from lush green to that brown color. Destinations. There are some incredible, life-changing places that move our souls, aren't there? There is one destination above all the others that moves our soul and transports us to a world that we never would have imagined. It's a destination no one in our world would ever have guessed or thought could be so utterly and completely transformative and life-changing. The destination that I'm talking about is the feet of Jesus. Feet aren't on the list of winning destinations. <laughs> Would you agree? Now, I'm going to spill some family beans here. The story's been told before, so the gents in the front here won't mind. But when my brother-in-law Mark married to Pastor Stephen Kathy's second eldest daughter, Colleen, when they were dating... Mark came round to the house one day, and um, maybe Mark, just, just, would you mind coming? <laughs> Stage guys, bring a chair, bring a chair for Mark, bring a chair, bring a chair, his chair, you can bring his chair, Kayla, bring his chair. <laughs> okay, so Mark's, Mark was, just, would you mind sitting there for me quickly, Marky? Okay, <laughs> Pastor Steve was seated as this man is now watching TV, and um, Colleen was seated next to him, and Mark, as a young, obedient, dating man, was watching TV as well, and just, he sat 
at his girlfriend's feet and began, began to move his hands. To her feet, and slowly, with a lot of love and passion, began to massage her feet. Only in a moment of horror to look up, and I think you said something to him, didn't you? Ah, Pastor Steve said to Mark, "That's great. Carry on." <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> Pastor Steve got like a, what, a 10-minute foot massage? <laughs> All in the name of love. <laughs> Here's the point. It really depends upon whose feet you sit at. Are you with me now? <laughs> Luke's gospel, and Luke is the only gospel to mention this. Luke's gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book of the New Testament, written by Dr. Luke, mentions only five exclusive instances, situations, scenarios, stories of five individuals who came to Jesus' feet. Each person, each story, has a different reason for being at his feet. Each person, each story represents the needs of humanity. Each person, each story is representative of all of us here. Luke tells us about the people who found their way to Jesus' feet because he wants to let us know about five catalytic moments, five transformative moments, five things that happen in our lives, five needs that we all have that get met at the feet of Jesus. The first is found in Luke 7:36 from the Passion Translation. It says, afterwards, a Jewish religious leader named Simon asked Jesus to his home for dinner. Jesus accepted the invitation, and when he went to Simon's home, he took his place at the table. In the neighborhood, there was an immoral woman of the streets, known to all to be a prostitute. When she heard about Jesus being in Simon's house, she took an exquisite flask made from alabaster, kind of special clay, filled it with the most expensive perfume, went right into the home of the Jewish religious leader, and knelt at the feet of Jesus in front of all the guests. Broken and weeping, she covered his feet with the tears that fell from her face. She kept crying and drying her feet, his feet with her long hair. Over and over, she kissed Jesus' feet. Then she opened her flask and anointed his feet with her costly perfume as an act of worship. Let's leave the reading there and go down to verse 48. A whole bunch of stuff happens. Simon gets all indignant, judges Jesus, the whole deal. 
But Jesus' main concern in this moment is not with Simon or with the guests. Jesus' main concern, I need somebody to hear me tonight, is with the woman who sat at his feet. And so he says to the woman at his feet, all your sins are forgiven. All the dinner guests said among themselves, who's the one who can even forgive sins? Then Jesus said to the woman, your faith in me has given you life. Now you may leave and walk in the ways of peace. Jesus gives us life and peace and purpose. First thing I want you to know from this lady's story, some believe this was Mary Magdalene, is that Jesus' feet is a place of pardon, a place of forgiveness. You know, a woman's longer hair, particularly in those times, was symbolic of their glory, of kind of their, their femininity, of their beauty. And so when this lady wipes Jesus' feet with her hair, what she is doing is laying down her glory, laying down herself. She was surrendering herself to him. And she was giving him all the glory in this beautiful act of worship. What an amazing posture. Why? Why would she do this? Because forgiven much, worship much. Forgiven a lot, worship a lot. I can always tell somebody who's desperate for Jesus by the way they worship. Because when you really realize what a muhu you are, it's when you can't help but worship him. Interestingly, this woman's sin didn't keep her from him. Jesus is magnetic. It's never Jesus that repels. It's always us that decides to run or hide. And his presence was so inviting. Forgiven much, worship much. At his feet, it's a place of pardon. Our lives are transformed when we're at his feet because it's a place of pardon. There is nothing you could have done in your past. There's nothing you could do in the future that could ever separate you from the love of God. There is nothing we could do that's beyond his pardon. Doesn't matter where you've been last night or where you were 10 years ago. Doesn't matter what you've put into your body, what you've consumed, what you've done to whoever. There is nothing that can keep us from his love. This woman, a prostitute, walks straight into the religious leader's home and sits at Jesus' feet because she saw he was the one who could pardon her. That's why we're in church every week because we want to be in his presence in a special way. And we can be in his presence all week long, and of course we can, but there's something special that happens when we gather. The second person that had their life transformed at his feet was the demoniac or the demonized man, a guy who suffered with demon possession. Luke 8 is the chapter, verses 30 to 35. Jesus asked this man, I mean, this guy was in a state. This guy was, he was cutting himself. He was running around in the tombs at night naked. He was outcast. He was banished. He had broken the chains that had held him. He was out of his mind. He was just, the man was oppressed. Jesus says to him, hey, what's, what's your name? Mob. 
the demons answered. We're a mob for the many of us in this man. We beg you, don't banish us to the bottomless pit of the abyss. On the hillside nearby, there was a large herd of pigs and the demons pled with Jesus. Let us enter into the pigs. So Jesus ordered all the mob of demons to come out of the man and enter the pigs. The crazed herd of swine stampeded over the cliff into the lake and all of them drowned. When the herders tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off in fear and reported it to the town and throughout the countryside. You know why they reported it? Because their source of income had just gone. They were more interested in their commerce than in the freedom of humanity. That's why you have human trafficking. Because people are more interested in their commerce than in the freedom of humanity. Then the people of the region came out to see for themselves what had happened. When they came to where Jesus was, they discovered the notorious madman totally set free. He was clothed, always a good thing. Speaking intelligently and sitting at the feet of Jesus. They were shocked. The picture you get of this guy is he's completely at peace. The feet of Jesus is not only a place of pardon, but it's a place of deep-seated peace. When he sets you free, you are properly free. The evidence of having had Jesus touch your life, touch my life, touch our lives, is an increasing sense of peace in our lives. As I said to us this morning, there's three types of peace that characterize the life of a Christ follower. There's an internal peace, where we become more peaceful with ourselves. That inside, that angst and that anxiety and that sense of despair and difficulty It starts to evaporate. We have interior peace. We have external peace, one with another. We begin to find peace in our friendships, in our relationships. Like Michaela says, our walk as followers of Jesus starts to become more important than being right. And then we have peace with our Father in heaven who loves us. The path to peace begins with this one thing, church. Has he set you free? Have you let him set you free? Have you asked him to set you free? Would you let him, would you come to him with your scars and your cuts and your anxiety and your depression and your alcoholism and your drug abuse and your abusive past, would you come to him with it? Because he can set you free. I'll never stop believing in a God who sets us free instantly at times, progressively at times, but always faithful to that. Are you with me? The third person who had his life transformed at the feet of Jesus, the destination that matters above every other destination, was a man called Jairus. Luke chapter 8. 
verses 40 to 42. When Jesus returned to Galilee, the crowds were overjoyed for they had been waiting for him to arrive. Just then, a man named Jairus, the leader of the local Jewish congregation, fell before Jesus' feet. He desperately begged him, come and heal his 12-year-old daughter, his only child, because she was at the point of death. Jairus found at Jesus' feet, found his feet to be a place of prayer, of deep longing, petitioning, begging prayer. Not only is his feet a place of pardon, not only is it a place of peace, but it can be a place of prayer. When was the last time you fell at his feet, desperate for him to do something in your life? When, when was the last time you prayed an immense prayer? Jesus, my daughter will be dead in an hour if you don't touch her. Jesus, there's no hope for this condition unless you touch it. Jesus, there's no hope for this relationship. There's no hope for restoration unless you touch this. When was the last time we asked Jesus to spread his hands upon something and touch it and heal it? The fourth person who found Jesus' feet to be transformative was his friend Mary. Luke 10, verses 38 to 40. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. If you're taking notes tonight, remember you will get to heaven if you take notes. <laughs> Underline listening to what he's taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. So much distraction in our world. If it was 2018 on the Easter and Martha was distracted by her Instagram feed. The struggle is real, isn't it? She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just chillaxes here while I do all the work? <laughs> Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it won't be taken away from her. In verse 42, that same verse in the Passion Translation, I love the wording, it says, Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She's undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. The one thing, the one thing, that's the priority above every other priority in our life. You might say to me, feeding my kids is my priority. 
I want to tell you, Jesus doesn't confirm that in the scripture. He says the one thing. You might say getting to work on time is the one thing. Jesus doesn't confirm that. He says the one thing is to sit at his feet. Oswald Chambers said, beware of saying, I haven't time to read the Bible to pray. Say rather, I haven't disciplined myself to do these things. <laughs> so, whoa, 10 pound hammer. <laughs> the feet of Jesus, I find, I find, don't know about you, I find when I'm not there, I begin to complain and I begin to care about obstacles. That's just me. Maybe for you it's different. Maybe for you your diagnosis is different. When you're not there, maybe it's that you become critical. Maybe when you're not there, you, you, you flag in your faith. Maybe, maybe when you're not there, you become all over the show and distracted. But I, I do know this. We're never at our best when we're not there. The fifth person who found the feet of Jesus to be the most incredible, transformative, life-changing destination in their lives was a leper, a healed leper, a former leper. Luke 17 tells us that one of them, he was a foreigner from Samaria. Luke is telling us, listen, the person you're about to read about is not a Jew. In fact, he's a looked-down-upon race. Look at the lesson from him. When he discovered that he was completely healed, Jesus had just healed 10 of these dudes, okay? They had leprosy. They were outcasts. They weren't allowed close to people. They, were, they had their own colonies. They had their own places where they had to live. They were like, it was like they were banished to Robben Island for the rest of their lives. When this guy, when he discovered that he was completely healed, he turned back to find Jesus, shouting out joyous praises, how many of you know that when you're grateful to God, you don't mind getting a bit excited about it? Sometimes we come to church and we stand and, and we worship like this and we say, oh, it's, it's my personality, it's my temperament, I'm introverted. No, when, you, when you're grateful, it, it supersedes your personality. I don't care who you are on the disc profile. When Jesus has done something for you, you can't help but shout it out to him and be grateful for it. When he found Jesus, he fell at his feet. He abandoned his dignity. And he thanked him over and over. I can imagine Jesus going, okay, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's all good. It's cool. Uh, relax. It's okay. It's all good now. Stand up now. Stand up now. He said to him, you're the Messiah. This man was a Samaritan. At his feet is a place of praise. Team, you can come on up, please. At his feet is a place of praise. Don't worry about the worship team. They're coming on up because it's about to get awesome. Okay. At Jesus' feet is a place of pardon. It's a place of peace. It's a place of peace. It's a place of prayer. It's a place of priorities with Mary. Forgot to mention that, sorry. It's a place of priorities. And it's a place of praise. 
You know, here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. We don't have Jesus physically with us now. So it's not like we can fall down at his feet and, 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 and physically be at his feet. We, we can't do that. Here's the thing. It's not about kneeling. Kneeling is a physical posture. We can have the same posture of our hearts as what these people did. These five incredible moments, they're the same moments that are in our lives too. I see myself in all five of these guys. I see my need to be at his feet because it's a place of pardon, forgiveness. I see my need to be at his feet because it's a place of peace. I need him to set me free from some stuff. I see my need for it to be a place of prayer, for me to pray immense prayers, faith-filled prayers, ridiculous prayers, prayers that only he could touch, prayers that if you don't heal my daughter in an hour, she's dead, man. Those kinds of prayers. Not safe, God, would you maybe somehow in time, if it's your will, over the next 50 years, make some kind of difference. No, Jesus, come now. And do something. I see my need for his feet to be a place of prioritizing my friendship with him. I see my own need for it to be a place of praise and gratitude. If it was Mary, she knelt at his feet and found pardon. The man freed from demons, sat at his feet in peace. Jairus fell to his feet pleading. Mary sat at his feet undistracted, prioritizing. And this leper who got healed came back with a grin on his face, fell at his feet in it's his breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise it's his breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise it's Christ in us so we pour out our praise Lord Jesus we are eternally grateful for your feet as a place to be. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus.